Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Call 574-855-8588. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports feed on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960. WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com on the WSBT Radio app and a live video feed on the Twitch app. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this Wednesday, September the 27th of 2023. Hello, my name is Darren Pritchett, joined by Eric Hansen, the publisher, the editor, at InsideIndieSports.com. He covers all things Fighting Irish Athletics as part of the Rivals Network. We've got one more day to talk about Notre Dame, Ohio State. And then we are 100% focused on Notre Dame Duke on Saturday, 7.30 kickoff right here on WSBT Radio, 1 o'clock pregame. Eric, Tyler Horka, and I will have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light from 4 until 6.30. Yeah, the Ohio State game will get mentioned again during that particular ball game. Hey, we have to. It's part of the storyline of the Irish going down to Durham to take on the Duke Blue Devils. Okay. Well, Eric, good to see you. Good to see you, too. I guess the game didn't disappoint from an excitement storyline standpoint. I mean... For a writer, you had, what, 26 different ways you could have gone there? Yeah, there were a lot of different ways to go, and what an atmosphere. It was incredible. It was an amazing night. It was a strange night and a memorable night, unfortunately, for some wrong reasons. So, like I said, we're going to move on from Ohio State after today, but I do want to get your thoughts on several things that happened in that game. Because I think Irish fans, and based on your chat today, they're still looking for answers on a couple of things that happened in that ball game. Okay. And they came to the right place, Derek. Boy, did they ever. In fact, we're here as therapists. So why don't we let them know 
that are WSBT radio listeners, you have an amazing opportunity. You guys are such warriors for sticking through all these years of ups and downs with Notre Dame football. We are going to set you up today because Eric's InsideIndieSports.com website is offering you radio listeners a special deal today. That's true, and I appreciate you bringing that up. So, obviously, we have free content. We also have stuff behind the paywall. And for our WSBT listeners, we have a special offer. If you want to take a peek behind the paywall, we will give you an entire month free. (laughs) All you need to do is go to InsideNDSports.com. I'll try not to mumble. InsideNDSports.com. And then click the subscribe button. And when you get there, you know, it'll say, well, it's this price. And then you say, aha, I have a promo code. And the promo code you want to use, and I don't think it's case sensitive, it's ND Radio, N D R A D I O. Put that in the promo code. You'll get a free month of all access to Inside ND Sports. And. You can go on the message boards. You can read premium content cool. from the other sites. You can see what Duke's, you know, Duke's writing about Notre Dame, what their stories are. You can read the USC site. So all the premium content, not just for our site, but more than 100 sites across the network. All right. So InsideIndieSports.com. Go to the subscribe area and use the code NDRADIO. Right. And there's a lot of cool content in there. There's all... Tyler and Charleston's little recruiting tidbits that we don't post on the regular. Darren sees it because Darren's a premium uh-huh. subscriber. You bet. So he gets to see where Notre Dame stands with recruits and all. A lot of little fun things that are on our message board. We don't have the um, crazy fights that a lot of message boards have. Not that we don't have disagreements, <laughs> but I think our I would take our message board okay. people over any others. All right, so InsideIndieSports.com. Use the code IndieRadio. All right. IndieRadio. And if you just want to pay full price, just type in <laughs> 10 men and you'll get it for full price. That's right. <laughs> anyway, speaking of 10 men, wow, what a great way to segue into our next topic. Eric, I just want to get your thoughts. You went back and watched the video of the game. Of course, you were sitting a level above me, watching the game from the Notre Dame press box. We all know with seconds left in the game, the Irish called timeout. They left the field with 11 defenders, came back with 10. Gabe Rubio looks like he was the guy that did not come back. I am not blaming him. I'm just saying he was the guy that didn't come back. Go ahead. I think the confusion, though, is going to nickel defense. Is he part of that package? I know he's part Mm -hmm. of the goal line package. Is he part of the nickel package? I don't think he is. I wouldn't think so. That's part of the equation as well, which will mix into all this. So they come out with 10. They throw the football. Does Ohio State incomplete? Ohio State subs. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card for the Irish to get an 11th man on the field. When the sub comes out, the umpire goes over the ball saying you can't snap it until Notre Dame has a chance to match personnel. They don't do anything. They're there with 10. Game-winning touchdown with 10 men on the field. Game ends. And as you mentioned, on both of those plays, folks, from the one-yard line, Notre Dame went with a nickel package, which is five defensive backs. Right. And Ohio State, for the last play, had 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. And they had a big running back in there. That might have been a big hint. 
236 pound running back and okay train him so in a situation like this eric people are looking for people to blame people are looking for how can this happen how can you do this how can you do that give me just your thumbnail sketch how should irish fans process the 10 men on the field for two plays and maybe the biggest moment of the season going nickel and i give al golden credit folks he went into a full explanation last night to why he did it. And he didn't dodge it. He didn't do a word salad. He gave an answer, and that's right. a pro. Right. That is a pro saying, this is why I did it, and I respect that. How do you deal with what in the world you saw in the last 30 seconds of that game? Well, you know, given that it's Wednesday, and I know we haven't had a time to chat about this, I mean, the 10 men on the field is inexplicable and inexcusable those are the two best adjectives for that what's the most important lesson out of that beyond fixing it so that it never happens again don't sit and eat popcorn while the game's going on <laughs> is how you deal with that so I think Marcus has dealt with it in a really good way from the standpoint of not um, singling out a player or singling out a coach or really giving you too much of a peek in his process so you can deduct it. Because if you do that, then I do think you have a psychology problem going into Duke. You have a possibly a divided locker room. I think the best way is to try to, you know, get everybody together and move on. That's not easy to do. Uh, playing the number 17 team on the road with college game day there should help. But how he processes it. We've seen teams, Darren, that lose the game twice um, because I'll give you an example was the Michigan State game where Notre Dame came storming back with Charlie Weiss oh, in the yeah. rain up there. And remember, uh, what was that guy's name? John L. Smith or Oh, yeah, and John L. Smith. he was talking in the press conference about getting slapped and slapped himself. <laughs> And they lost their next game because they were still fixated on that comeback from Notre Dame and what they might have thought was unfair in it. And that's what Notre Dame could do. So I think that's the biggest thing. And we've seen teams do that. We've also seen teams take this as a rallying point. I still think there's a lot out here for Notre Dame to play for. Some people think their playoff chances are deep sixth. I don't. No. Given the fact you have Duke, undefeated Louisville, and USC coming up, you have a Clemson team on the road that's going to give you some November octane in your schedule. So I think that's the case. We certainly seen Notre Dame teams win with a national championship with one loss. The 77 team had some quarterback issues early in the year. They go down, they lose at Ole Miss, they come back with Joan Montana and win the national championship. So I think given what's still left on the schedule, this is realistic. Now, it's also realistic sure. they could lose more games. So I think that's what's most important coming from the 10 men. The nickel part of it, I hated that. Me too. You know, I think that um, even if you want to match up with their receivers, and they're difficult. I mean, those guys can jump up in the back of the end zone and, and get it. I think the fact that, I would play my rover there because you're not playing down the field. Um, now, maybe you don't want Jack Kaiser on 
uh, Egbuka in that point. No. You may put somebody else on him, put a safety on him, and have Jack Kaiser you know, do something else. But I, I would want my rover on the field in that situation. There, there are a couple other plays that bothered me, but the, but the one that bothered me the most was how they played third and 19. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, so I re-watched the Ohio State sequence, and I understand, you know, Al uh, Golden, the defense coordinator for Notre Dame, wanted to play quarters. He wanted to play a zone defense. Take away the deep ball. Right, take away the deep ball. He didn't want them to catch, and he even mentioned it, Last night he said, I didn't want them catching the ball in the back of the end zone on us. And so I wanted to play zone there. What in reading between the lines, Ramon Henderson, one of the safeties, had too deep of a drop. Yes. And I and I think maybe in some situations going forward, we may see Thomas Harper playing more safety and maybe Clarence Lewis playing nickel there or having the rover on the field. Um, and, and not blaming this on Henderson. I'm just trying to explain what happened on that play. But I didn't like that they only rushed three. I mean, they had just gotten an intentional grounding the play before, and McCord may have been a little rattled for the first time in that um, last drive. Got a freebie. Third and 19, I'd say at least rush four and maybe rush five. But when you see the NBC angle of that play, he had such a clean look oh, at yeah. Agbuka. He had such a clean throw. It was like there seven was, on seven. There was no pressure. He could have made a sandwich and brought it to you in the press box. I could have used came it. Came back down and threw that pass and completed it. Eric, the way I put it into words for our listeners earlier this week, and I don't mean to repeat, but let me just say it to you. This was my analogy. If I'm facing Barry Bonds and mm. I'm a pitcher and I got a 3-2 count, am I going to use my number two pitch, my number three pitch, my number four pitch, or am I going to go with my best? And if my best isn't good enough, I tip my cap. Right. And in that moment, Notre Dame's defense didn't go with their best. And that was Morrison and Hart eating the lunch of those Ohio State receivers. Morrison was spectacular, Eric, in that ball game. Right. I mean – I don't know if on TV, if you could see it all the time, folks, but I watched him in the press box. Harrison could not get free from Morrison. He was spectacular. And I just kind of feel like that wasn't Notre Dame's best in that moment. Now, why don't I go ahead and play Al Golden talking about this last night? Okay, he and gave, this is yeah, and just ahead. to differentiate for people. So Al Golden talks two different places on Tuesday night. Yes. He talks to the electronic media, then to the uh, print media or the internet media so that's why these don't always line up yeah. in terms of the quotes but in general it's usually similar subject matter yes absolutely so this was al talking to the i guess the radio tv internet media yeah last night and he was asked about first off his play of his defense and then he gets into some explanations uh, obviously competitors right so uh, gritty tough competitors um it's a 60-minute game. Uh, I think whether you're a player or a coach, we would probably all say, all right, there was one play that you would like to have back um, that, could, that could have tilted the game in our favor. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I need to do a better job with the two-minute defense, and, and we need to execute better. Uh, and that starts with me. So um, 
proud of the effort. Uh, obviously disappointed the way it ended, but not a not discouraged at all. I mean, just an, you know, just an incredible effort by those guys. And, and um, the thing that is refreshing to me, and obviously uh, encouraging, you know, uh, motivating, however you want to say it, is the way they came out in practice today to get ready for this Duke team, which obviously is a great challenge for us. The third and 19 play, how do you balance playing coverage or yeah. pressure in that situation? So I could take you through a, a, a bunch of different scenarios for sure. Um, I went pressure the previous two, the fourth and, and the other third down. Uh, they got us on both. Uh, threw his own in there, uh, you know, and they completed the curl. So, um, you know, we got to do a better job coaching it. We got to break on the ball better. Um, we got to get that ball on the ground, you know. So, um, you know, we, we, we look at everything. Um, what I didn't want to have happen was, you know, we're, we're throwing a 50-50 ball in the corner to a great player. And um, so that was unfortunate. It's like, you know, like I just said, you know, in, in a game like that, you, you know, you don't sleep after it because, you know, what if I tried this? What if I call it? No different than you, than you do. Um, but just, you know, we had tried three different things. Um, and uh, came up a little bit short, and then obviously on that one, we got to coach it better for the players. Coach, kind of take us through, uh, I guess, in a prolific offense like that, the mindset of how snappy it, you know, it is to call a play and read what they're doing offensively and make the call for your defense. Like, what goes through your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, try not to look at the call sheet um, as much as possible uh, against a team like that and be no different this week with Duke. Um, Duke, uh, th their quarterback does a great job. Th they'll get into tempo at any point in the game. Uh, two very talented running backs, uh, excellent receiving core, quarterback can distribute and run. So, so we're facing the same thing this week, you know, uh, and that is that they can jump into tempo like last week and, you know, we got to have our cleats in the ground and execute. And uh, I got to do a better job getting the players, uh, get, getting them ready to do that. Okay, I wanted to play that because, again, a lot of credit to Coach Golden. He went through his thinking process of why he did what he did in a couple of situations on that final drive. But he mentioned that they were trying to mix it up. They wanted to confuse him. So they went with the zone look on that third down and 19 play. But he mentioned there were times that, you know, they made plays off pressure. So he was just trying to look for what he thought was going to work the best. And I think he didn't want to jump on the end zone. It sounds like that was something he was very fearful about. So the quarters would be the best thing to do to take that away. I mean, you're it's less risky than man-to-man, -man, even though you have two really good matchups considering how good those receivers are. Again, if it were just two good receivers on Ohio State, it'd be one thing, but they're all good, including the tight end. So you've got four matchups in man that you really have to win all four of those and mm. then hope the quarterback picks the wrong one to throw to, too. Don't you agree? And I know we cannot do this in the real world, so don't yell at me, folks, but let me just ask <laughs> the question this you? way. But can't you argue – over the first 57 minutes, Al Golden and his staff and the player execution deserved an A because they held a heck of a football team to 10 points. 
I agree. I, my criticism would be when, first of all, I have two criticisms. One okay. is too often, and it's been that way this year, when Notre Dame brings pressure, they don't get home. Now, they, they did get some good pressures, uh, but they don't get home enough. The second is I thought the rotations weren't deep enough. I asked Marcus about that on Monday. You I don't did. think he wanted to throw Al Golden under the bus. Then I asked Al Golden about it, and he said, you're right, we weren't deep enough. We should have. Really? Yes, he did. And you can, as a subscriber, Darren, you can yes. look at the transcript uh, last night that I posted on the message board. Um, you can see what he said, but um, he felt like Kaiser should have played more, for example. Kaiser played 10 snaps. Isn't that Jalen Sneed. He said he was trying to fix things and adjust things, and the rotations got away from him. And uh, he said that in the second half he should have rotated more. He was okay with it in the first half. He was not okay doing it in the second half, that he should have rotated personnel more. That, that would have been my criticism, too, having people fresher, and certain personnel in there. And, and quite honestly, you hate to single out one person, but it is staggering that a weak side linebacker could play as many snaps as Maris Leofow did and not have a single stat. 61 tackles. Not have tackles. a hurry, not have a tackle, not have nothing. a forced fumble. That's difficult to do in a game that was that physical that was – You had the same stat line. Yeah. I had the same yeah. stat line. Not to be mean. And yeah. Now, Marcus Freeman said he had a stinger last week. He didn't practice as much, but – But, again, but. you have Jack Kaiser and Jalen Sneed. Then play it. Then play them. And, and quite honestly, Jack Kaiser was one of the people that were involved in the fourth and one on the 11. I mean, if Notre Dame keeps the ball and Ohio State never gets it back, that stop at the 11-yard line becomes Notre Dame legend. That was amazing. Hearing you talk a second ago, talking about how Al Golden, the defensive coordinator, mentioned that the use of players got away from him. I find that interesting because when we talk about the offense and the running back rotations, we seem to always hear the position coaches are the ones that are more involved in deciding who goes on the field. So is it different on different sides of the football? Well, he's technically the linebacker's coach, even though the GA, uh, Max Bull, I almost called him Shane. I know I'm going to That's one okay. time because once you start covering multiple generations of people. I get it. But Max Bola, I don't know that he has as much authority there. But I also think it's a discussion. I think certainly Al Washington could say, hey, I need to freshen up somebody here. And without having to go to Al Golden, but I think Al Golden wants to have some input and say, hey, look, we As need to should. get so-and-so. Because it's not the first time we've had this talk about Jack Kaiser. The other thing, Tim O'Malley asked a great question. Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Mm -hmm. He said, what's the challenge of getting uh, Harper and Kaiser on the field yes. at the same time? Yeah. And he had a great answer to that. He goes, you know what? We need to do that more. And it, it, if it means Thomas Harper playing more safety for that to happen, we need to 
make sure that happens more. Covering the slot was an issue. Covering the slot was Ohio an issue. State. It will be for anybody that plays that team. Oh, I mean, you bet. No, nobody's going to say, oh, this is a walk in the park with Agbuka. I mean, uh, but, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> Ben Morrison. Oh, fantastic. Is, and, and again, we look at the pro football focus grades, and it doesn't always reflect. It's one tool. Ben Morrison would have gotten an A++++ for me. No for question. Me. No question. Well, we spent a lot of time on the defense, and like I started Monday's show, kind of the sexier headlines were with what happened to the defense at the end of the game. But in terms of frustration, blame, there's another part of this game that really frustrates me. And I'll see if Eric agrees with me, and we'll do that after a timeout. Because to me, the offense has as much or more to do with the Irish losing than 10 men on the field and third and 19 quarter coverage. Just give me your tease. Am I at least halfway right, or do you disagree? I don't disagree with you, Darren, because I'm afraid of you. No, stop it. Stop <laughs> no, it. I don't disagree with you. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back after the tease. And... Well, I can, I can give a little hint of the direction that I'm going to go. Seven. 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 That should be a hint. All right. 531 at WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Okay, 5.36 is our time. We're back live, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Wednesday. I'm Darren Pritchett with my co-host, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. And once again, for you radio listeners, go to InsideIndieSports.com, go to the subscribe area, and type in the code NDRadio, NDRadio, and you will get a really, really special Deal. Read all about it there at InsideIndieSports.com. Okay, we spent the first part of the program going over the Ohio State end-of-the-game situations because I wanted to get Eric's take on this. And we have to really do one more thing. If we're going to talk about all the defensive things, we can't leave out the offense. The offense, in my opinion, has as much to do, if not more, for the Irish losing this game. You can talk about 10 on the field for two plays until you're blue in the face, third and 19 call. But if the offense can execute better, not leave points on the field, and give Audric Estime the damn ball, then those situations maybe don't happen, Eric. Maybe we never have to worry about 10 men on the field. Maybe we never have to worry about should you play coverage or blitz on third and 19. This is the frustrating part of the game for me. Yeah, seeing 10 on the field twice is inexcusable. But, Eric, they did not have a three and out. They were not sacked. There was not a drop pass in that game. You ran for 176 yards, and you scored 14 points 
And with the game on the line, you can end the game without your 10-man defense getting on the field by running out the clock. And on the first play, it was beautiful. Andre Kestemig got the ball, and he went for 11 and a first down. And he never was on the field again. We went through the entire running back rotation on that final drive. I have become someone that has adopted my thinking, and I love the way Notre Dame uses the running backs in the heart of the game, using their strengths, Eric. But with the game on the line and Ohio State starting to suck in mosquitoes from fatigue, with the physicality of number seven, am I wrong to complain that seven needs to be the guy with the ball in his hand? (laughs) I do not think you are wrong in that, and I think that if it doesn't work out, you can live with that. Yes. Yes. Go I, with your best. Right. But but let's look at the offense because I don't think it was just that sequence. No, now, it was they not. Didn't, they no, didn't have the no. They didn't have the ball that many possessions. When you don't have three and outs, and the other team also has some long drives, it shortens how many drives you get it was like a navy game so technically (laughs) they had the ball nine times okay all right i'm ready okay nine times nine times um at the end of the half they had 26 seconds left and they kneeled so Mm -hmm. that was one because they got the ball to start the second half i didn't have a problem with that right and then at the end of the game they had it for one second Mm -hmm. so take those two out and it's seven times so seven that seven's a key number in this conversation so so three of those seven two ended in touchdowns especially you know your back's against the wall you have a 96 yard drive that was pretty impressive being down and coming back and taking the lead on a 96 yard drive again that would have been legendary had yeah had they oh. held on but Marcus brought this up Marcus Freeman brought this up in the Monday press conference the two empty possession. There were three possessions that ended on the Buckeye side of the fifty-yard line, and they got zero points out of them. Two fourth and ones that were failed, and a missed field goal. If you just get three points out of those three, but you really need to get more than that. You really need to get seven or six or nine or something. <laughs> but 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 then and yeah. then you have then it's a little bit different ball game again. The you know, when people freeze that and say, well, if this had happened here, then this had happened. Well, the plays would have been different. The play calls would have been different. But certainly, if you only have seven possessions and three of them get to the other side of the – or actually five of them get to the other side of the 50 and three of them are empty possessions, you're going to lose most most games. I still have not – seen conclusive evidence from any camber angle to overturn Sam Hartman's fourth down run in the first quarter on that opening drive. It has to be, Eric, 100% conclusive. Yeah. And even though watching the replays, I tell myself, you know, maybe he didn't, but I cannot conclusively say that he did or did not. So I was surprised that got overturned. Yeah, he had the ball in his back arm the arm that was away from the marker so but was it conclusive no no, no. i'm not saying it okay. was conclusive okay. but this by the same time 
Notre Dame needs to if, if they're if Marcus is that committed to playing what he says are the percentages on yeah. fourth and one, then they need to be good at it. You can't be a 50-50 team. You can't be a 30 well, in this case, they it's, were a zero percent team. It's an offensive line, defensive line program. Right. So if if you're gonna get I mean, maybe Mitchapalooza is the solution there. You know, maybe Sam Hartman doesn't give you enough heft at 215 pounds. To There's another guy, too. Do the sneak. Yeah, Audric Estime. I mean, seven. Yeah. Uh, you know who's also been very good on third and fourth down has been Jabron Payne. So, and so, but, you know, offensive and defensive line program, look what Ohio State did on fourth and one at the 11. They ran a jet sweep. sweep. <laughs> Man, was B- Baptiste going after him in a hurry? Yeah. He was flying. I know. I think Kaiser got the tackle, but man, Baptiste well, played but against his old team, and he Baptiste made it happen. Was in on the tackle yeah. there, and then I watched that in slow motion, so I'm kind of slowing it down. JD Bertrand even comes from the backside and jumps in on the tackle at the end. I mean, there was not going to be a second effort that pushed Agubuka to a first down. Do you think they have to reevaluate what they're doing in short yardage situations, Absol- personnel and strategy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, again, fourth and one, that's – I mean, you're not going to see many fronts that are as good as Ohio State's, but you will see as many problems as Clemson has right now, that front seven for Clemson is going to be a problem. I mean, it's going to be a challenge – to play them um duke hasn't been as good against the run but they're really difficult in some other parts of their uh defense and jamie on franklin is right in the middle of that defense and he's going to be chomping at the bit against his old teammates in those third and fourth and one so um Mm. but yeah i mean they need to be better with their play calls they need to be better with their personnel on third and fourth and one I don't want to speak for Irish fans, but just based on chats that you have, I have, social media, I get the sense that the coaching staff needs to show the fans a little something this week. No hiccups, no blunders that are self-inflicted. This needs to be a game in which the players are the focus if they win or lose and not some of the silliness we saw last week. I would agree. I would agree, especially Earn when you're pl- back. especially when you're playing a former Notre Dame assistant. And that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Duke is good. We don't know how good because after beating Clemson by three touchdowns, which was impressive, and and they've handled their business. They didn't mess around, but they played Lafayette, Northwestern, Connecticut. You know, even Clemson is 54th in pass efficiency. They're going to see number three this week in pass efficiency. So they're going to see a higher caliber of a quarterback. Now, they played Sam Hartman last year and beat him at Wade Wallace Stadium. 17,000 people on hand for that game. Uh, So Duke has come a long way uh, since then. And that was a Duke team that was a surprise team last year, a 9-4 Mike Elko's first year. But, yeah, I mean, this is – this is an important stretch for Notre Dame because they're going to get a sellout crowd at Louisville who's undefeated. They're going to play Jack Plummer for the third time. Good grief. Third time for three different teams. 
and he's playing the best he's played in his career. He's looking like Jake Plummer, who's his dad. And uh, then they play USC, which could be a top 10 matchup again uh, on October 14th. In your Super 16 poll, mm-hmm. I'm just curious because as I look at the Pac-12 and you mentioned USC, you could argue, not saying it's reality, but there's an argument USC's the fifth best team in the Pac-12. I would say that I have Washington. I had Washington number one. I voted in Washington number one okay. this week. So number one in the whole country, not in the Pac-12. Um, I had USC next. I have Oregon bunched pretty close to them. I had Washington in my Super 16. Washington State, I mean, in my Super 16. You know, Oregon State's really good. Who am I leaving out? Utah. Utah is in my top 10. I had Utah behind USC, but not by much. I think they were 8-9 or 7-8, something like that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of... Good teams. I think where USC is getting the benefit of the doubt is Caleb Williams. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they coughed up 28 points to Arizona State with Drew Pine yeah. starting for Arizona State because of injuries. And I'm not belittling Drew Pine. I'm just saying 28 points is a lot for USC to give up to a guy that's the third-string quarterback if everybody's healthy. And he made still four or five of those cringeworthy throws. And he also got sacked eight yeah. times. USC didn't look overly focused at times in that game, not to make excuses. Now, now but. again, they are a team that just will go after the sacks, and they don't care what they have to give up to get it. They're, mm-hmm. they're one of the top teams in the country in sacks, and they stink at everything else defensive-related. Yeah. So as long as they're tops in sacks, they're – they're willing to live with whatever else comes with that. There's one social media storyline that's not coming about very often, but I uh, disagree with 100%, and that is a lot of people putting all the blame on Marcus Freeman being a head coach for a second time for the things that happened on Saturday. Folks, he hires people to do jobs that need to be done that were not done late in that ball game on defense. Marcus Freeman is the CEO. And you know what? He fell on the sword gracefully on Monday, which is a sign of a great coach. But Marcus Freeman is not the reason why they had 10 men on the field. He has people hired to take care of what seems like simplistic things. He is the head coach. I know the buck stops with him. But there was just a breakdown somewhere along the way. Even the Tennessee State game, it's being brought up. They had 10 on the field for what almost was a Tennessee State touchdown. So, more than looking at Marcus Freeman and not doing something in that moment, which I think he was had other people in position to do those things, but it feels like something is broken in the system. Well, I think part of the reason that it may be broken is because there's not a lot of BK left uh, structurally, infrastructurally anymore. I mean, it's almost a whole new operation. And I think Marcus isn't perfect yet and may never be, but, I mean, I don't know that anybody is. But the operations part, the game day operations part, is a part where he still has a learning curve. I'm not saying that it played into this, but well, there the defensive are th- line coach has a lot of experience. Right, the defensive line. I'm just saying that um, 
you know, the, that the processes will get smoother. Every year he's going to learn more and the processes are going to get better. You know, I got asked today in chat, what makes you think Marcus Freeman will be someday be a really good coach? Because I see too many qualities that I like about him. It's not that I'm Absolutely. blind to the to the growing pains, but I think these certain traits are what I think are going to win out. Is that a slam dunk? No, I could be wrong about that. But I do see that in him, and that's why I think he will continue to grow and he'll continue to get better. And, you know, he he has to take responsibility for what happened Saturday, but I don't think he's over his head. But then again, I read he's the perfect fit to go to Michigan State and take over the Spartan program now. So I guess we just don't even have to worry about it anymore. Well, that guy got a lot of clicks, (laughs) I'm sure. If I'm Marcus Freeman's agent, even if they offer double my salary, I might be waiting for another job somewhere else that I used to be a part of if I'm ever going to leave. If I'm ever going to leave. Yeah, I I don't I don't see. Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say there's probably a better chance you or I would get hired as the head coach at Michigan State than Marcus Freeman taking that job. I also have a feeling Mark D'Antonio probably is going to have a say in all this. Okay. Kind of like Lloyd Carr did at Michigan, as Les Miles found out. All right, 552 <laughs> at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let me ask you one more question, then we got to get to break. Simply put, did the team who played the best win the game on Saturday? I think it's easier for me to say – the better team did not win on Saturday. Okay. I, I think I think Notre Dame is going to end up being the better of those two teams at the end of the year. Now, again, this is a critical week, uh, but I think Notre Dame will I, – I would put odds that they would make the playoff before Ohio State does. Based on who Ohio State still has to play, based on who Notre Dame still has to play, but we'll see. I could be wrong about that. Well, they host Penn State and, of course, have to go to Michigan, two of the bigger games left. And Ohio State has a bye this week after the Notre Dame game, so that works out well for them. Right. And I, I, I thought their quarterback held up better than I thought he was yes, going sir. to. And they can get something out of that. But I still would take Sam Hartman over him in a heartbeat. And this was brought up by – ABC 57, Allison Hayes last night. And and I answered the question, and Eric, maybe you can verify whether I was correct. She brought up, why is it Notre Dame has to play all these games in a row, yet they have two buys late in the year kind of bunched together? Am I correct that the ACC portion of the schedule is given to them? They don't have a say? I thought that's what we talked about a couple of years ago. I believe that, yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle room you know, they kind of work through that. Here's where our availability is, and then they plug those games in. So so not every year – Notre Dame plays an average of five ACC games a year. Sometimes it can't be worked out. This is a year they have to play six. Some years they play four. So – but, I mean, all what games in a row? You to mean, start the year, no buys. Oh, oh, no buys. Well, I mean, part of that was a choice of Notre Dame – could have taken the buy after Navy and instead 
said, no, we're going to save it for later in the year. And usually they try to get one of those buys to align with their fall break and the exam period and all that stuff. Um, and then where else were you going to put it? You know, yeah, you could have put it maybe before Ohio State, I guess. But then you have to find a place. Yeah. I mean, one, once you, you – it's, it's not the easiest puzzle to put together because especially teams that aren't in the ACC aren't like, wow, we'd really love to play Notre Dame in once we've started our conference schedule. You know, no they're thanks. fortunate that USC and Stanford mm-hmm. are willing to do that. You know, not everybody's willing to do that. Michigan. So that's that's why sometimes getting good opposition in November is difficult. You bet. Because, you know, I mean, the SEC teams, they're looking for those FCS games. The Citadel becomes a big name <laughs> yeah. in SEC country. <laughs> yeah. The, between their conference games, they don't want to stick Notre Dame in there. Oh, wait. Alabama and LSU are playing? Oh, week before, you know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Teams with very strange names. Sometimes you have to play William and Mary, which gets very, very scary. <laughs> Did you ever hear Lou Holtz's? Oh, I... <laughs> when he coached William and Mary, they said, you know, what was the biggest challenge there? And he goes, we had not enough Williams and too many Marys. <laughs> this is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Along with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, I'm Darren Pritchett with our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday we asked you, what caught your attention during the Notre Dame loss to Ohio State? And I offered three choices. Tight end Mitchell Evans, the cornerbacks Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart, or the Irish offensive line. And I know we've talked about a lot of things on the show today, Eric, getting your reflections of the game, but... You talk about the way the offensive line played for Notre Dame. Had you told me at the start of the day they would hold up, I think Notre Dame wins this game, I don't want to say easily, but I feel a whole lot better about their chances. They held up pretty well, right? I mean, no sacks, no penalties on them. Right. Um, No three and outs. 176 rushing yards. 176 rushing yards. Uh had a chance to talk to Zeke Correll last night. He said Rocco definitely had his best game. Good. And that's been kind of the focal point is the growing pains of the guard. So, yeah, that was impressive. My answer to that would be all the above. I know I don't get to pick that. I, I, I would, because I do think the offensive line did a really good job, I knew Ben Morrison and yeah. Kim Hart were really good. I, I got evidence on how good. But I picked Mitchell Evans because I think he raised his game to another level. We haven't seen Mitchell Evans play at that level. That's why the Notre Dame coaches have been excited about him is because of the game. They thought he's got that in him, and we we saw that in a huge game. It'll be interesting to see if he can stack games like that. I sat in the press box Saturday next to Bob Golick. Uh-huh. So that was a lot of fun getting oh, his wow. insight. And he said he works in Cleveland. Yeah. He gets a lot of messages from Mitchell Evans' dad, you know, and he's a uh, proud dad, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And and that was before this game. And it's yeah. like, holy cow, the one-handed catch. And underrated in this game, folks, if you have the chance to watch the game, he was a great blocker, too. 
controlling the edge, allowing yeah. running backs to get to the outside. This was not just a seven-catch game. This was a complete tight end game by Mitchell Evans. And again, I think we talked about in the pregame show, having him back makes so much of a difference because it makes your second and third tight ends better. You know, that was a big, big injury recovery. I know Dion has the, the turnover thrown. I tell you what, Mitchell Evans took away the, the tight end belt, I think, as TE1. If there was yeah. any doubt about that. I mean, Stays had showed up recently, and hey, he's still a great option, but Mitchell kind of said, coming off the, the injury, I'm here. I'm still ready to go, and he looked really, really outstanding in this contest. So you went Evans. I did. Okay, here are the results. Based on what you said, I think this is the way most people thought. Third in the voting, 24%, Morrison and Hart. I kind of expected it. Right. Who caught your attention during the loss to Ohio State? Coming in second place with 33%, the Irish offensive line. And Eric and the majority, 43%, went with tight end Mitchell Evans, the one that kind of had the aha moment <laughs> in the loss to Ohio State. All right. Now let's go to today's question, which you can vote on right now. My Twitter X account, 960SportsBeat. Of these choices, Eric, very important on Twitter to put of these choices, because if you leave something out, you will hear about it. So that's why of these choices shows up a lot. What are you most concerned about in regards to the Notre Dame game at Duke? Now, there's a little fun involved in this question. Number one, you're concerned about quarterback Riley Leonard. Number two, Duke is just really good. Number three, hey, the player focus for Notre Dame. And number four, the coach is doing little things correctly. So, those are your choices. Would you like to cast now or wait till tomorrow? I'll go ahead and pick now. Okay. Would you like to play or pass? I feel like we're I'll wrong play. with your Betty my, White. My my thing has a different fourth choice. Well, it got altered along the okay. way. It's like Betty White is your partner on Password Plus right now. Okay. Would, would you like to play or pass? I'm going to play, there. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going to play Alan. Alan Ludden, Alan right? Alan Ludden. I was trying to think of the other guy who had curly hair. I don't know, but Alan Ludden was Betty White's Legend. husband. Yes, it was. And he was on Password when I was a little Yes, kid. he was. Okay, so my choice is... Riley Leonard. Okay. Be, I think Duke is really good around him. You take Riley Leonard off that team and they're Vanderbilt. Hmm. That's an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. Do they have a scoreboard that's not hanging over the field like at Vanderbilt? <laughs> I don't oh know. Gosh. I have not been to Wade Wallace Stadium. You have not? Or Wallace Wade Stadium. Wade Wallace yeah, Stadium. Yeah, the Cameron Crazies are named something else in that stadium. Invisible last year because there were only 17,000 people there for the Duke-Wake Force game. It couldn't have been that cold. Mm. Maybe there was a basketball game going on. Maybe that was the case. Who knows? Were you a fan of Paul N on the Hollywood Square? <laughs> of course. He was on Bewitched, too, as Uncle Arthur. Oh, my gosh. Yes, indeed. He's All funny. Right. So you're going to go with Riley Leonard. We will tabulate the votes and have the results for you tomorrow here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT radio. 
Okay, now, InsideIndieSports.com, the place to be because you get to write about everything that Eric is talking about on the program today and more. You've kind of moved on to Duke at this point, so what should folks expect when they go to InsideIndieSports.com? Man, we've got a lot, and some of it is the premium, which you can get for free this month at InsideIndieSports.com, promo ND Radio. Boom. We have recruiting recaps from some of the top players that visited this weekend. I'm giving you the premium stuff first. Okay. We have the transcripts from Jared Parker and Al Golden. We have a film analysis from Tyler James. And then on the free side, we have a men's basketball notebook. We have my live chat transcript, which was really fun today. We have a recruiting story on 2026 quarterback prospect Noah Grubbs, who was at Notre Dame on Saturday. And, Darren, there's much, much more. If I kept reading it, we would get into the 6 o'clock hour. We're already in the 6 o'clock okay. hour. <laughs> I've already blown it. Folks, if you're an Irish basketball fan, get ready for a change because Micah Shrewsbury, I think every other word is defense coming out of his mouth right now, which is a little change what we're used to. He's going to be about winning ball games with good defense, and I'm here for the party. Well, he can't say that they're men because they're transfers and freshmen. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he has not said he loves his guys yet, right? There you I go. do think he loves them, though. Oh, I, I think he does, too. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I miss him, though, man. Mike was... was a riot, to say the least. I'm going to let you get out of here because okay. you've got things to do, and you'll be back tomorrow with the Advantage game, a chat recap, and a whole lot more. He's Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. So I have my college football poll, but I do it a little differently. I'll give you my poll up until Notre Dame. So if Notre Dame's number two, it'll be a short poll, but they're not number two, so... Who's in front of the Irish? We'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments. It is 6.09 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Visit MidwestDataDepot.com.